Listen, as you're being seated, would you give these guys a round of applause? They have worked hard. Sound, camera people, thank you guys. Brian said we're going to start a 7.30 service every Sunday from now on out. Isn't that right, Brian? I think he's been up all night long. Have you slept? Not very much. Listen, we are glad to have you here. He is risen. Now, come on now, people. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And that's why we're here today. Man, we are glad to have you today. Listen, I pray that by the time we're done here today, you're not thinking about Easter in the, from an Easter bunny or the Cadbury eggs or peeps as much as we all like peeps, right? But I pray that, man, our time today is a celebration of the fact that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. It's going to be a great day. Listen, when you came in the door, you should have been given a card. If you don't have one of those cards, can you just hold up your hand? We want to be able to make sure that everybody has one of these cards today. We want to be able to get some information from you that will help us as we minister here, not only to to you, but also to our community. And on that card, there are some questions on the front side of that card. The questions are survey questions. Number one, I'd like for you just to be honest, be able to write in some, some answers here to help us. The question, first question is, what do you believe are some of the greatest areas of stress that we're presently facing? Those of you that are online, listen, you can get a piece of paper and write these out at the end. We're going to give you a, a, a text that you can text your answers to so that we'll be able to get a record of, of your responses as well. But that first question is, what do you believe are some of the greatest areas of stress that we're presently facing? Second question is this. What do you think are some of the biggest barriers of people coming to know God? I want you to think about where you were at. I want you to think about your friends around you, the people at work. Students, I want you to think about your friends at school. Um, let's just think about the people that you meet on the ball field. What do you believe are some of the biggest barriers in people coming to know God? And then that third question is a little bit more personal. That question is, what do you think um, when you think about your relationship with the Lord? What is your next step? What is your next step in relationship with God? If you just fill that out, listen, be, I, I'd just like for you to be as honest as possible. That's what I'm asking. Just be honest. And if, and, if, and if you don't want to do it, just humor me and make me think that you're doing it, okay? Is that important? When you're leaving today, I want you to put it in these boxes that are at the doors, and we're going to take and go through these, and we're going to use this information as we do some planning in the days ahead. And I'll tell you more about some other things in just a little bit um, as we go on. But listen, thank you guys for being here today to be a part of our time. We have, this is our third service today, and we have had incredible services all the way through. It's been a great time as we celebrate Jesus. For some of you, this is maybe your first time back in a year. And man, I, I know it's been hard, but we're glad to have you today. I want to take you through a little bit of a story through where we're going to get to, but we're going to eventually be in John chapter 20 today. And we're going to be reading the story about the resurrection. But I want to story through a few things, remembering today that after Jesus breathed his last breath, here he was hanging on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, a religious leader, went to Pilate and they asked for the body of Jesus so that they could bury him. Pilate agreed. They immediately took the body down. They wrapped him in linens and they took him off to a tomb in the garden that was connected to the place that Jesus was crucified. It wasn't that far away. Um, 
And so you've got Joseph and Nicodemus, when they arrive with the body, they begin to prepare the body because the Sabbath was only a couple of hours away. And according to Jewish customs, they knew that the body couldn't be at least exposed over the night. And they also knew that the next day being Sabbath, they wouldn't be able to work or they wouldn't be able to carry out a travel. And so they needed to prepare the body as quickly as possible. And so they did so. When they finished up, they rolled a stone in front of that tomb And there were two soldiers that they left that Pilate had sent to make sure that the body would not be stolen because they thought, well, it's going to be really something else if Jesus shows up missing and they're going to say that he rose. But here it was that they they left those soldiers there just in case somebody tried to steal the body. And they went home to mourn and to participate in the rest of the activities that were coming with Sabbath. But there was another person that was there There was another person that's involved in the story. Um, Her name was Mary Magdalene. Maybe you know a little bit about her. Before she met Jesus, um, the life, the Bible describes her life as being one that was demon-possessed. And when she met Jesus, Jesus healed her, and her life was never the same. It was radically changed. And from that moment on, she followed Jesus wherever she went. And And Mary was there. She saw Jesus crucified, and she saw him hanging on the cross, and she was there and witnessed him taking his last breath when many of the disciples had already left. And that afternoon when she witnessed Joseph and and Nicodemus take the body of Jesus down and they carrying to the tomb, she herself went home to grab up some spices so she herself could be a part of helping uh, prepare the body for burial. But she didn't make it back to the grave in time. And so the Sabbath came and she stayed home and she rested as was according to the customs and the law. But the next day, the scripture tells us that on the, after the Sabbath, on that early morning, that, sun, that Sunday morning, before it was ever, ever daybreak, that Mary and at least three other women that we know according to the Gospels, maybe, maybe even more, they gathered to make their way to the tomb so that they could add to what Joseph and Nicodemus had done. Because, listen, girls, you know it, men don't ever do a good job, right? <laughs> so they wanted to make sure the body of Jesus had been prepared correctly. Um, And the Bible tells us and the gospel says that on the way to the tomb that there was a discussion that was taking place about, you know, how in the world, girls, are we going to get inside of the tomb when there's this stone that's there? What, what, how are we going to get past that stone? And in Matthew's account tells us that there was an earthquake. Now, I'm not much into earthquakes. I don't really like earthquakes. I've been in some. They're small, you know, I've been in small ones, but I had a friend of mine that was out in Tokyo, Japan back in February when they had that big one out there, like 7.3. He's on the 28th floor of a hotel. He's, a, he's an airplane captain, a pilot. And he said, listen, I read some of his statements that said it was pretty unnerving as you're in that building and it begins to sway. So there was an earthquake and an angel of the Lord came and it rolled the stone away and he sat on the stone and Matthew gives the description of the angel being like this, that his face was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. And the guards that had been stationed there by Pilate to keep watch, it said that when they saw him, they fell like dead men. In other words, it was like, whoop, they're out. It's gone. They passed out. Everybody's, you know, they're laid out. But the Bible goes on to say, and it's pretty funny, you know, it says when they came to, they made their way into the city. Don't you know the stories that they could tell? Yeah. Well, when Mary and the other women arrived at the tomb, the tomb, the stone had already been rolled away. And so they looked inside and they saw the grave clothes of Jesus there, but there was no Jesus 
The body was gone. So they made their way back to Peter and the, the other disciples, and they shared with them what they had witnessed and what they knew and what they supposed had happened. And that's where we want to pick up the story today in John chapter 20, verse 3. Would you read with me today? I want to pray over to you because it wouldn't be surprising to me that with those of us that are gathered here today or those of us that are listening by or watching online that, that there's somebody that's here that needs to hear what we're going to talk about. It wouldn't surprise me today if we have religious people that have showed up, but they don't know Jesus. Today can be a, a life-changing event when Jesus calls you by name. Can I just pray with you quickly today? Father, Father, what an incredible time of worship and music and singing songs today and being reminded of your greatness. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place to be the great teacher. Remove from me anything that might be of a hindrance. And God, may it be your word that's spoken clearly today because it's only your word and the spirit that changes our lives, not anything that I can say. In Christ's name we pray today. Amen. So let's read there, beginning in John chapter 20, verse 3. You'll find this pretty humorous. At least I think you will. Peter and the other disciple, John's talking about himself. This is the writer, John. Started out for the tomb, and it says they were both running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter, reaching the tomb first. Okay? Are you with me? Hanging in there. Get a picture of what's taking place. He, talking about himself, stooped and he looked in and he saw linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. <laughs> he didn't go in. I'm not going in there. Then Simon Peter arrived and he went on inside and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. So let me see if I can paint a picture. So it's Brian and I. Somebody runs in the door, see it, you guys got to go. Man, Jesus has disappeared. We don't know where he's at. He's not in the tomb. So Brian and I take out the door. We head off. Brian leaves me in the dust. Can you imagine that? <laughs> now, the only thing that I can think of, it doesn't have anything to do with age or being in shape. It all has to be with the fact he's sleeker. Now, if you know what that means, sleeker, is that a good word? Sleeker, he's slimmer than I am. But when he gets to the tomb, Brian looks in and goes, mm -mm, I don't think I'm not going in there. I'm waiting on Sid. So when I get there, I finally arrive an hour or two later, <laughs> whatever it is. Man, I just go right on in. I see the same thing that Brian said, except I get an opportunity to see it up close and personal. I saw it. And the Bible goes on to say there in verse 7, while the cloth had covered, Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, John talking about himself, he said he also, when he got the nerve to finally go in, and he said he saw and believed. Now I love, I love the verse 9, because it said, for until then they hadn't understood, they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. I mean... They had been with Jesus all this time. He had been telling them multiple times what was going to take place. But up until this time, they didn't understand it. And then look at what verse 10 said. Then they went home. Isn't that great? I mean, isn't there more to the story? Well, there is more to the story. Look at what he goes on to say here about this lady by the name of Mary. Well, here's Mary. So Peter and John are going, Mary, she's standing there outside the tomb and she's crying and she's weeping and she stooped and she looked in and she saw what? 
she saw two, it says, white-robed angels sitting at the head and the other at the feet at the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And one of the angels said, dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because you've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where you've put him. It said that she turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who, who is it that you're looking for? She thought he was the gardener. She said, if, if you've taken him, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Makes Jesus sound like a sack of groceries, doesn't it? Mary. Hey, Mary. Jesus said, and she turned to him and she cried out, Rabboni. Rabboni, which means teacher. So here's Mary. She's confused. She's overwhelmed. She's standing outside the tomb. She has no clue what's happened. The only thing that she knows is what she has experienced up until this point in time. All the evidence points to the fact that she knows that Jesus had been killed, he had been taken down, and his body had been placed here. But all of a sudden, Mary is overcome with grief, standing on the outside, looking in the tomb, and there's nobody there except these angels. Now, the angels may not seem like a really important part, but they're really important because according to the custom of the day, there needed to be two witnesses to be brought, a case to be brought, and a verdict to be brought in a court. There needed to be a testimony of two witnesses, and here are two angels, one sitting at the feet, the other sitting at the head, exactly where Jesus had been lying. And the question that the angel asked Mary was, why, why are you weeping? In that moment of despair, I, I have in my mind that she turned to walk out, but she couldn't, she couldn't see. Maybe it was because she had been so overwhelmed, she had been crying so much that her, her eyes were swollen. Maybe it was the fact that Jesus was hiding in the dark shadows. But for whatever the reason, she didn't recognize who it was. You know, she thought he was the gardener until he opened up, until he spoke to her. And then she knew. She knew exactly who it was. Listen, I want to give you a couple of things today that are thoughts that I think we can take away from this story. Can I do that? There's some things that I think it would be good for you to be able to write down. You want to, some things you might want to take away from here that the Lord might use in your life specifically. Um, write down this thought. Jesus values women. You go, well, Sid, that's not that big of a deal. It's a really big deal. As a matter of fact, not only the Bible champions women, Christianity values women, and we got to remember the culture in which they're in. Women had little or no value inside of that society. As a matter of fact, the Jewish men would often pray and give thanks. Number one, I'm so thankful, Lord, that I'm a Jew and not a Gentile. Lord, I give thanks because I'm free and I'm not a slave. And dear Jesus, thank you so much that I'm a man and not a woman. Y'all are supposed to say that's funny, but it's not. That's exactly one of the things that they used to pray and they used to thank God for. And so on the most important day of our Christian faith, Jesus not only used the resurrection Sunday to shatter all of the barriers that society had placed upon women, but he also demonstrated that day, the most important day, his value and love for women, which leads me to the second thought. You might want to write this down. Nobody is too messed up that Jesus can't fix up. Nobody's too messed up that Jesus can't clean up. I mean, if Jesus was going to appear to a woman, for goodness sakes, why in the world was it Mary? Why couldn't it have been his mother Mary instead of this Mary? 
Why couldn't it have been a respectable woman, a woman that didn't have a past? We don't know an awful lot about Mary Magdalene except for the fact that she had been demon-possessed. She had a past. I mean, there's, there's no historical evidence that she was a woman in the night, but we do know the where she was from. She was from a place that was known for prostitution. But we don't know that. But why in the world would Jesus choose Mary Magdalene that whose past might could have been questioned or past who was checkered? All I know is this, at first glance, it might not mean an, an, an awful lot to you, but I'll tell you what, we all have something in common with Mary, don't we? Because all of us have a checkered past. All of us are sinners and all of us fall short and there are no exceptions. I know there are people that have bigger stories. I know that there are people that are carrying around guilt and shame from past decisions. But when we talk about Jesus' love, man, it's hard for some people to say, I know and I believe that Jesus loves me because of things that they've experienced. So here we are on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus chooses Mary, a woman of all people, to call out and to, and to speak into her. And he teaches us at this time that, listen, there's no such thing as hopelessness. And we're reminded today that God loves us and he can save us, not only from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, but one day the presence of sin. When we come to the place that we humble ourselves and we recognize, I mean, think people, I mean, of all the people that Jesus, I mean, he could have revealed himself to a political leader, he could have revealed himself to a religious leader, but he revealed himself to Mary, to Mary, Mary Magdalene. Without a shadow of a doubt, there are some people here listening today that needed to hear that. Because out without question, you need to know today that God loves you and that he has a purpose for your life. This story is maybe your story, and you need to know that God loves you. And I just want you to make note of a third, third thing. I want you to make note of this, that trust Jesus, not your emotions or circumstances. Trust Jesus, not your emotions or your circumstances. We don't have to allow the emotions or the circumstances of the moment to define us or to make our decisions for us, but we can trust Jesus. So we see the story of Mary. She's there. She's weeping. That word weeping in the Greek means to cry, wail out loud uncontrollably. And here's Mary doing just that, a sense of desperation and hopelessness. I had shared a story in the, in the other services that I remember years ago uh, as a chaplain with the sheriff's department, I got a phone call and the dispatch said, chap, we got to have you immediately. We've got a bad situation. Um, <clears throat> when dispatch calls you, you head out. Um, and I headed out to the scene. And before I could get there, they said, chap, we need to reroute you. And she said, I want to let you know, uh, you need to go to the hospital, but this is not good. And you need to prepare yourself because it's chaos. I rerouted and um, she was exactly right. There are some times in life you wish things you could forget or things you could not have seen. And this was one of those moments in time. And the smell of death was so clear. And the cries of desperation and um, the, the hopelessness was, was overwhelming. And here's Mary at the tomb. She's being overtaken by grief and despair. And it's hard for us to imagine, but all she knows is that she saw him crucified and now he's not here. I mean, you got to remember, 
You got to remember the difference that Jesus made in her life and the significance of what took place when she met him and she healed him. And now the man that she had placed her faith in, Jesus, was gone. And her emotions was clouding her reality. I mean, how many of us have ever made a decision in the, height, in the heat of a moment and we've made a bad decision because of the emotional circumstances? I mean, how many of us have ever spewed something out of our mouth and said something that we wish later on that we could take back, but we couldn't take it back? They were caught up. Let me, let me just explain this to you. See, prior, prior to this, multiple times, day in and day out, Jesus had spoke the truth to them. Multiple times, Jesus had said, look, I want you to know that I'm going to be betrayed and I'm going to suffer at the hand of religious leaders and there's going to come a time when I'm going to be killed. But I want you to know that three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And even those closest to Jesus heard they heard exactly what he said. He heard exactly what they told him time and time again, but they did not believe because they saw him beaten. They saw him nailed to a cross. They saw him crucified. And even though they knew, they thought, well, maybe Jesus was mistaken. Maybe he was wrong. And they were overcome because they saw him die. They saw it with their own eyes. And Mary, what she did, she allowed her experience to define her theology. Did you hear that? Mary, Mary, Mary allowed what she saw, what she experienced to define what she believed. Mary allowed her experience of the moment to define what she believed instead of trusting in what Jesus had to say. But before you judge Mary, I mean, how many times do we do that ourselves? How many times do we know what God's word has to say and yet we disbelieve that because of the circumstances we are presently in. See, there are some of you that have asked the question, where is God? Instead of believing that God is there. There are some of us that have asked the question, why God? We've questioned God's love. We've questioned God's presence. We've questioned God's power instead of believing. We've, we've, we've moved into the experience and allowing it to define our decision-making and our emotions to define our decision-making instead of the Word of God. You know, Jesus asked a couple of questions. What were they in verse 14? What was the first one? Why are you weeping? Do you think that Jesus asked Mary the question, why are you weeping, because he didn't know? Or do you think that maybe what Jesus was trying to do, he asked the question, for her benefit. Mary, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? You know, it's like me asking my kids. Sometimes I ask my kids a question, but I don't ask them because I need to know something because I already know what I need to know before I ever ask them. I just ask them the question because I want them to have a little bit better perspective about maybe what they're walking through or going through. I want to have a little, them to have a little bit under, better understanding of, of maybe why they're, why they're doing what they're doing. And maybe Jesus is asking the question here because the emotions of the moment, because those emotions and the circumstances had blinded her from the truth. Why are you, why, why are you crying, Mary? And then he asked the second question. Who is it you're looking for? Who are you looking for? I mean, there are some of you today that are listening to my voice, and though outwardly it doesn't look like you're broken, inwardly your life is a mess. You're hurting and you're in chaos. And you know, you've learned to be good religious people. 
On the outside, you're holding it all together, and it looks like everything is just moving along the way it needs to be, but on the inside, you're broken. And as a result of being broken, you're not looking and leaning into Jesus. You're looking in other places. But I can I tell you that all those other roads and places that you look, they only lead to a road of destruction. They only lead to a road of disappointment and discouragement and confusion and chaos. I was with a guy not long ago, and he looked me in the eye, and he's a businessman. He's a professional and uh, he, he's in a high-profile position as we sit along the table. He's always made up. He looks really good. He's sharp-looking. Don't be fooled by the appearance of people. Just because you're a sharp-dressed man doesn't necessarily mean that you've got it all together. As we sat across the table and we're talking to one another, he looked at me at a moment, and I knew there was a question that was coming. I had a sense within me that he was struggling. And he looked at me and he said, Sid, you, you ever have any difficulties? I said, what are you talking about? You always learn to ask a question with a question, right? And he said, um, Sid, you, you, ever, you ever struggle? You ever have any problems? And I said, absolutely. And he said to me, can you share? I said, well, sure. So for the next four hours, no, not that long. I began to share and I talked and, and I could sense his tears welled up in his eyes and I looked at him and I said, are you okay? And he said, I just needed to know if this was a safe place because nobody I ever am around has ever had any problems. I think I can talk to you. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, you can talk. You know, it's easy, it's easy when we're in the midst of conflict and, and we're walking through times of difficulty to become distracted. You know, religion can even become a distraction. It can. You think that coming in these buildings and inside of these walls on a Sunday morning is going to make your life better, but you know what? It can just confuse you even more if you don't know Jesus. You can go out, and I know people that just give, 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 give when it comes to their life. I mean, they will work like nobody else, but inside they're working not for Jesus. They're working for themselves, trying to make themselves feel better. Because they think that feeling better, that Jesus is going to love them more, but he loves us all the same. You know, I think about the question, well, let me just say this. There are some people, now I, need, I guess I need to say this. There are some people leaning into relationships thinking that the grass is greener, you know, because you're struggling with intimacy or you're struggling with um, you're struggling with relationships. You think that that new relationship is going to bring, bring about this, this great transformation. But um, Jesus is the only thing that brings life. Jesus is the only thing that brings health and transformation. And some of you, I don't know what you may be looking for, but you might would feel, in the, if I only had this, whatever this would be, my life would be so much better, would it? It may be for a while. I mean, sometimes we think, you know, we go on these shopping sprees and we buy a truck or we buy a car, or we buy a dress or we buy whatever it is, a new home or, a, you, know, we, 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 you know, we try to be like the Joneses and have something that somebody else trying to impress people with money don't ha we don't have with people we don't even like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And at the end of that purchase, <laughs> you might be okay for 60 or 90 or 120 days, but all of a sudden when those bills start rolling in, you know, it doesn't change anything. Jesus is the only solution. He's the only solution. He's the only permanent fix. He is the answer. 
I'm going to read out verse 17 and 18 and finish up today. Look at what he says. So Mary recognizes Jesus. She cries out. And look at the words here. This is what Jesus says. Don't cling to me. There's something that happened there, right? (laughs) Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers. Make note of that, what he says. My brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my daddy, my father, and your daddy, your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and she told them, I have seen Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? Have you met him personally? Do you know him? I want you to write down this fourth thought. Jesus wants us to know him personally. You know, going back to the story, remembering, Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first until he did what? Until he mentioned her name. I mean, she thought he was a he thought he was a gardener, but when he spoke her name, Mary, hey Mary, she knew. Reminds me of John 10, 27, when Jesus so said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, it's obvious at this moment that something took place because Jesus said, Don't cling to me. Don't cling to me. Um, And if you ask me, I see Mary at the tomb. Here she is, overwhelmed. She's distraught, hopeless. Eyes are swelled up. She's been crying. Jesus has been crucified. She saw him placed in the tomb. He's not there. He's missing. But when Jesus said her name, it overwhelmed her. You know, when, when my wife calls me on the phone, she doesn't have to say, Sid, this is Meredith. I just want you, you know. I know who it is. Now, my mother, bless her heart, she's probably listening. I know she's listening. Mom, don't call me this afternoon and get me in trouble. This is how my mother, this is how she addresses me when she calls me. Sydney, yes, this is your mother. <laughs> like I didn't, even, I didn't know that. <laughs> but Jesus called her by voice and she cried out because she knew that voice. And she lunged over and I see her grabbing Jesus as to say, I'll never let you go. I lost you one time, but I'm not going to lose you again. I, 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 I had a similar experience in the nursing home one time. Uh, I was better looking. I was younger. And um, I was in my 20s, and I was walking out of the nursing home. I had been making some visits. And as soon as I'm walking out, this lady grabbed me. When I mean grabbed me, she grabbed me. She grabbed my shirt, and she held on, and she looked at me, and she said, I've been looking for you all my life, and I'm not letting go. (laughs) You talk about an awkward moment. I mean, what am I going to do? I just I just, hey, you know, how are you doing? And Jesus said, Mary, go tell your brothers, listen to this. I want you to go tell your brothers. I want you to talk to them. I'm going to see my father and your father and my God. And your, do you sense the sense, do you hear the sense of family? Do you hear the, 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 the person, it being very personal, intimate, vulnerable? See, we don't, we don't come to know Jesus as a result of knowing about him, but we come, we come to have salvation by knowing him. Not just knowing about him. I mean, we know lots of people. By, I mean, we can call people by name, but does that necessarily mean they know us or I know them? No. We just know about them. They're acquaintances. But here, Jesus makes it very, very, he makes it very personal. Very personal. 
It reminds me that in Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, there's a statement that Jesus makes, and he said, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name, and I cast out demons in your name, and I performed many miracles in your name. You know, I was in church on Easter Sunday 2021. Or Jesus, you know, I, I, man, I led the music. Don't you know how great the music was that day? Or man, I helped greet people, or I, I brought some people with me to church that day. Jesus, don't you know who I am? I mean, I was baptized one time. The Bible said that Jesus said, no, no, I don't know you. I don't know you. You know, it's easy to know a lot about him, but not know him personally. To know about him, yet not experience the freedom. There's a freedom that comes from knowing Jesus. And the question today I have to ask you is, do you know Jesus? Have you heard him call your name? And have you responded as a result of that like Mary did with this overwhelming sense of, of I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. This is, I want to say this about, and I'm going to help you understand this. See, what was happening here, there was a redefining of the relationship. See, up until this time, we, were, we weren't friends of God. We were enemies of God. As a matter of fact, we were born into sin, and it's our sin that separated us from a holy God. It was a sin, our sin, that, that broke the relationship with God. But what Jesus did on the cross that day he died so that that relationship could be restored. It could be redefined. See, when Jesus made his way down Calvary and he, and he was crucified on the cross, the Bible says that he became the sacrifice for our sin. That Jesus himself, that his blood atoned for our sin that had separated us. And there on the cross, what Jesus did when he, when he paid the price, that he just didn't pay the price for a woman like Mary, but he, but he paid the price for, for a guy like Richard and like Austin and like Brian and Bill, you know, like Wayne and Bob and Chad. Like every one of us that are here today, the Bible says that all of us are sinners and all of us fall short. And what Jesus did on the cross that day is he redefined our relationship. No more Jesus at a distance, but God up front and personal through the person of Jesus Christ. And man, today as we close, I want you to take that card out because there's, there's some statements that are on the other side of that card. And I'd like for you at the end, and those of you that are listening online, you can do this as well. Um, there, there, are some, there are some statements on there. More than likely, I promise you, one of those statements probably applies to you at some point. The questions, there's four different, four different statements that are there. Number one, I have a relationship. When I talked about, talked to you about knowing Jesus, I'm reminded to ask you the question, do you know Jesus? And some of you would say, absolutely, I know Jesus. Man, I have, I confess my sin. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. I gave my life to him and I was baptized as a, as a symbol of my love and devotion to him. It's a symbol of new life and I know Jesus. Man, if that's you, just mark that. Just circle it, mark it out. There are some of you, though, that may be, be you know, I, I know Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus, but I've never, I've never followed through in baptism. Maybe that's you or maybe see, you know, today I don't, I don't know Jesus, but today I want to make a decision to follow Jesus with my life. I am ready to begin a relationship with Christ. Or there may be some of you here that are D or listening to my voice.
And as much as I don't like it, you would say, I'm not ready to make a commitment to follow Christ. Man, I just want you to be honest. This isn't about me. This is about you. Are you hearing the Holy Spirit speak your name today, Mary? Hey, it's me. Do you, do you know him? Peyton's going to sing this song and Linda's going to sign it for us. And I'm going to come back at the end of our time together and I'll finish up. But listen, I want you to be honest. You know, and if you're here and that's you and you fill in that D, I just want you to know this, that I'm going to pray for you. I want you to know that God loves you. The Heritage family isn't made up of people that have the right religious answers, but it's made up of people at different places along the journey that are going in the same direction towards Jesus. But while Peyton sings, you listen, you fill out this card, and then I'll come back and I'll finish this up at the end.
we close out again uh, I pray um, that that you have um, that you recognize the significance of Easter it's just not about all that other stuff that culture tells us about as the body of Christ we celebrate a risen Savior we celebrate a risen Savior today I really appreciate you guys filling out this card and you know um, I want to make sure that today when you leave that you put it in those boxes. If you're watching online, there's a place that you can fill out this information. You can type the word survey, text the word survey to our text line at 352-358-7770 and give us that information. But I want to say to you today, there may be some of you here that that when we, we were talking about those, you know, where are you at? Do you know Jesus? There might be some of you that would have circled B. And I, I know Jesus, but I've never followed through in believer's baptism. I, my, my prayer, if that's you today, if you would like to, I'd love for you just to write your name on the bottom of that card and give us some information. We'd love to connect with you so that we can talk to you about what the next steps are and what baptism is all about. But you know, there's maybe some of you guys here that, that circled C. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus today. I want you to know that a relationship with Jesus isn't about religious activity, but it's about coming to a place of recognizing our sin, believing that Jesus made his way to Calvary, that he became a lamb whose blood would be sacrificed to atone and make payment for our sin because we can't make it ourselves, that Jesus died so that we could live. The resurrection teaches us that Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he was resurrected. And because of that, we can have not only the penalty of sin paid for, but we can have power over sin. And today, if you're at that place of saying, I want to trust Jesus, you know, right there where you are, the beginning of that process started when you, when you circled that letter, because that was an acknowledgement that I, I recognize that there's a need. So what else can I do? Right there where you are today, you can pray. You can pray a prayer, even something like this. Jesus, man, my life is a mess. But today I recognize that I need you. Today I recognize that you paid a price for my sin on Calvary. And today I, I confess my sin and I want to place my faith and trust in you. I want to give my life to you. Jesus, I want you to save me. Thank you. And right there where you are listening to my voice, you have the ability to, to know that without a shadow of a doubt that you can know Jesus, not because of a prayer that you pray or because of something you write on the card, but the condition of your heart when you humble yourself and you go before the Lord. And if that's you, just like the person that, that let us know that, man, I, I need to be baptized, we'd love to know of your decision to follow Christ, not because we can just call you and 
bug you, but I want to know because I want to help you on this journey. We want to help you on this journey to walk so that you become to know Christ more. Not, not join a church, not be a better religious person, but so you can know Jesus personally. So make sure that you fill this out. Again, you don't have to put your name and stuff on there if one of those don't apply to you. Just If you'll just put it in one of these boxes, it'll be so helpful to us. Um, I want to remind you about this. Next week, a good friend of ours, Dr. Dwight Bain, will be with us. We'll start a new series on family matters. Dwight's a dear friend. I've known him for over 30 years, and I'm glad to be able to have him with us next week as we kick off this new sermon series. But as we close today, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And may we live so with that in mind every day, with that on the, on the thoughts of our minds that he is risen. And whatever it may be, I don't, have to, I don't have to depend on my circumstances or my situations that I may be facing, but I can trust Jesus. Man, I send you guys out today to be ambassadors for Christ. I send you guys out to be a light unto the world. And may we do so until he comes again, because the Bible says that he is coming again. This time, not as a suffering servant, not to be crucified, but this time as the King of Kings. Father, may we be blessed as we leave this place. May we be encouraged and may it be on our tongues and on our hearts that you are risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.